Welcome to Conversation with H. We have an amazing, one of the best producers of recent time. He's a Berkeley music alumni like the likes of Quincy Jones, John Mayer, Ro Robert Glasper, Sean Wright. You already know about Dirty Tunes and, and everything they're doing with their arrangements. You already know. And one of my favorites, Roy Hargrove. He has worked with award-winning artists such as Karen Clark Sheard, Kimbera, Marvin Sepp, the Wars Group and many, many more. He's written over a thousand songs. Produced and written over a thousand songs. That is crazy to me. He specializes in production, mixing and mastering. Make sure you subscribe to that YouTube channel where he has over 11,000, I think it's 11.3K that he has at the moment. So make sure you go subscribe. You're gonna get that amazing content, that the drum videos. You're also gonna get some, some new stems and plugins that he's got and how to mix and master. Go check it out. His feel, he feels music is one of the greatest forms of communication. And if you have heard any of his albums or EPs from the self-titled album release to now, you'll know he's communicating with our ears very, very well. I introduce to you the all-round musician, the incredible song maker, the producer, the mix and masterer, Why Hunter Music, aka Jan Hunter Jr. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, man, I'm feeling blessed, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Nah, I really appreciate your time. And I'm going to get straight into it. For those who don't know who you are, I don't know where they've been, if I'm being honest. But for those who don't know who, who you are, who is Jan Hunter Jr.? Right on. Well, Jan Hunter Jr. is I'm <laughs> third person. Man, I'm, I'm just a local cat uh, from the Bay Area. Uh, based in Fairfield, California, um, you know, musician, started off on drums, later got on the keys, uh, tried to bring it all together, um, started, you know, trying to put together little beats and stuff like yeah. that. And, um, you know, then that later led to, you know, producing songs, um, went to Berkeley, mm. all that good stuff and um, came back, started production full time. Mm. And, um, yeah, uh, out the gate, I got to produce uh, some of my guys from my town and then um, shoot 2015. Here comes the Walls group, <laughs> you know crazy and working with alec walls and then working with later working with uh naomi rain working mm. with uh anale a phenomenal um international r&b artist yeah. and uh she's doing her thing and uh shout out to my man um david chua for uh connecting us and stuff like that and so it's been phenomenal so now uh you know just doing the content game yeah running a business full-time via social media. So wow. people ask me, what do you do now? I just say, I'm a YouTuber. And it just sounds, <laughs> you know, it just sounds cool. Yeah. But within that, you know, that means entrepreneur, e-commerce, yeah, 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 all yeah, that. Yeah. But I just lump it under, yeah, I'm just a YouTuber. <laughs> you just put it all together. I'm a YouTuber. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's great. So in terms of early life, because obviously I was reading up about how you started playing drums at free. Oh mm. no, he's on the pots and pans. Sorry, he's on the pots and pans. As every drummer starts off, pots and pans. Oh. You just at home. You just ding ding ding. You start off like that because yeah. <laughs> you ain't got a drum kit. But tell me, what was early life like, especially with your dad, Doctor Jan Hunter Senior, um, mm -hmm. being a pastor of a church as well? What was that like? 
uh first starting out it was uh hilarious <laughs> I, it was it was me trying to figure out you know my way around the drums yeah, in yeah, front yeah. of people in a service oh, so gosh. you know my folks were like get him off now get him off really? if he even yeah yeah because at first you know before i had the discipline and before i had the pocket and all that chops chops know, chops 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 <laughs> you know let's just be real let's just be real with it you know what i'm saying so i'll never forget there was a service where uh who's now my brother-in-law uh one of my guys um a long time ago this was when i had the discipline somewhat yeah. and uh my guy came into the service you guys seen the memes you know what i'm talking about your homie comes in the service it's time to show up right <laughs> <laughs> so my man came in walking in i was like oh bet yep and i decided to do this long like 32 bar solo feel over a congregational song and so my pops is just like get him off get him off and so uh it was hilarious man i mean it, yeah i was crying at the time <laughs> then crying to my mom and all that but you know it's it's hilarious now of course but at the time it was oh my god i was devastated embarrassed and all kinds of stuff and so um but later though um we had a, a phenomenal uh music director come through the church his name is yep. carl mason shout out to him mm. he got me hip to larry trotter so i got exposed to calvin rogers yeah. and got exposed to gerald hayward aaron mm. spears and these drummers that could chop but also had good pocket yep. and so from that point on um being under carl mason's nurture and being uh sitting up under like thomas pridgen eric mm -hmm. moore they all came through the church this these are all like bay area it's just family to yeah. us honestly like it's just it wasn't nothing for eric moore to come and sit in the service you know what i mean and so i sat up under him carlin mcculler shout out to my god brother mm -hmm. and so they helped nurture me along with carl mason they helped nurture me into a, a seasoned uh drummer and so after that, it was a solid, smooth sailing after then. So it was a really good um, experience overall with that discipline and embarrassment. It still worked to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, help me where I'm at. Yeah. It propelled you to where you're at at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. And just to learn, because especially when you, when, when you start out as a drummer, the first thing you want to do is chop, chop, oh. chop, 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 doubles on the, doubles on the kick. That's, you want to do all of that across the kick. And then, it's only when you realize, okay, I'm not booking that gig. I'm not booking that gig. <laughs> That's not what they want. <laughs> they want me Man. to sit in the pocket. Um, and it's crazy. But what got you into music, though? What got you into music initially? Mm -hmm. Honestly, what got me into music was it's in my family's blood. My mom is a music teacher. My dad is actually a musician wow. himself. He had yeah. an R&B band back in the day. So my future was already predetermined by being around a musical family and yeah. then my sister sang and so then my brother-in-law he plays my wife sings so like it's just music is so deep down in our veins it's kind of like we didn't have a choice mm. to be honest we just implemented what we saw yeah and so um my father's church actually blew up because of his music because he was wow. doing art he was doing you know when he got saved and everything because he didn't come up going in church or anything yeah, like that yeah, yeah. so you know as far as like saved and all that um they went religiously but it wasn't a lifestyle and so he was in the r&b so his early gospel music and to this day it has a very r&b 
you know, Delphonics and, mm. you know, uh, Earth, Wind and Fire vibe because that's his era. Yeah. So his church blew up because of his music. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that drew the people in. So I wasn't born yet, but I was born into what he had established from being a musician. Mm. So by the time I was born, he was more on the teaching side and more preaching and he didn't have to play as much. Yeah. So um, that's kind of like really what got me into it. It's just like being around it from family and um, seeing the joy and love of it. And, and then watching Carla McCullough play at my dad's church in mm. uh, at New Life. And so um, that was it for me. That was I was so. You know, what's funny as well in terms of you saying that story is the fact that your dad was into R&B and he brought that into the to his gospel music. And then when yeah. I listen to your music and I can imagine what you listen to, because what you bring in to your type of music is, is very similar. Do you feel like that was a big influence seeing him do that or, or having that kind of influence of, of music in your church to how you then started to produce music? I think that it happens subliminally or subconsciously, honestly, mm. because you really just kind of brought in something that I never thought about. Um, and that's the crazy thing about uh being in purpose and also you know just what's in your bloodline because mm. i am actually doing the same thing my dad did but i would say style wise um i would say i was more so on the jill scott flow tree d'angelo uh, that type d'angelo that was kind of like you know since i'm a 90s baby so that's what i was more so exposed to yeah. in that way but to answer your question as a whole i think so i think that subconsciously I'm reliving my father's, you know, story wow. may, may not be in the ministry aspect as far as the church and being a pastor, but yeah. I think using my influence with music is mm. exactly what my father did. So, yeah. That is, when you kind of look at it like that, you kind of think to yourself, especially when we're growing up, you kind of think, oh, I'm not going to really follow the path that my dad or my, my parents or people around me kind of, put out for me but when you look at what you're doing as we just discussed you're literally in your own way in the 21st century doing a similar thing yeah yeah i agree one of the things that i want to ask you though is you talked about the musicians and you talked about thomas pridgen and you talked about listening to all these different you know great drummers mm -hmm. one thing that you learned especially at your church from those musicians coming through that you still take on or hold dear to yourself today um just that honestly just the whole vibe of being from the bay like yeah. our whole mentality is different like it's different from la it's different from san diego and yeah. you know southern cal like our vibe is very different and we're i feel like we have that salt of the earth kind of feel just down home mm. chill um the lights and the glamour really didn't phase us because we kind of we watched each other you know for lack of a better term, blow up from yeah. our air. You know what I mean? And so it was just like an everyday thing. I knew Eric Moore was a superstar. I knew that, you know, he was going to be all these things. But at the same time, I still know these people as like, I'm five, six years old watching them, studying them. But I always paid attention to like their, their demeanor and their vibe of mm. like, don't let the lights and the followers and the numbers turn you into something else. Wow. That's what I really, what I take away from them and just being again, being from the Bay because music hasn't been a top priority here. Like it used to be Okay, like back in the day. 
Yeah. You know, so everyone always references the Hawkins and stuff like that. You think of the Bay Area, Oakland, yeah, yeah. Or the Hawkins, or, uh, you know, Parliament and stuff like that and all these older funk groups. But it's like, mm. but what about right now? What's, yeah, what's yeah, popping yeah. out here now is different. So we have phenomenal artists out here. Um, and I pray that, you know, they continue to grind and, and that they get their flowers. Mm. Um, but that humility, honestly, is kind of what I'm getting at. It's like I learned that humility from my uh, mentors and everything like that, just because um, our reality out here is a lot of um, phenomenal musicians that I know, mm. it's normalized that they work a nine to five. That's that's normal. Really? Because of the, because of the cost of living out here is so expensive. So it's mm. it's been normalized. So like lights and glamour and stuff, it's like, I mean, yeah, that's cool, but we about to go clock in you know <laughs> first thing monday morning then i'll see you on rehearsal at tuesday night that's wow. the norm here so i think that's why we have that down to earth mentality because it's like you know we still feel like we're everyday people yeah yeah yeah. what advice would you then give to someone who is doing that you know nine to five grinding musician could be a producer and um there, there may be that one gig that one song or three songs away from you know getting to that stage what advice would you give to them um honestly uh, it's what i've been preaching um it's my new mission statement which is build your own platform build your own brand mm. and you build it to the point where you don't need a nine to five anymore you can control your own um destiny to a certain extent of course working in god's path you know being yeah. a believer and all that but more so like no seriously you can take control of your brand right now and actually control that's what i'm literally living out mm. right now is is you don't have to wait for a hit song or a hit single or nothing like that or that major opportunity you can literally get your iphone and post videos of yourself just being yourself mm. um and connecting with your audience your audience is now the new label your audience is now wow. the new um putting you on it's yeah. your followers so um they're the heroes that is great advice. That is absolutely great advice. Build your brand from where you're at. That is amazing. But before music, was there anything else you was interested in, like in doing, or was it just literally music, 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 music? Uh, no, it's actually starting to shine out now. So I actually um, was into art, still am. Um, I have a, a massive sketchbook. I used to draw Dragon Ball Z characters, all the anime stuff. What? Um, all that, yeah. Um, I, I wish I had it with me, um, but I, I have a sketchbook. I think it's somewhere in my apartment or something <laughs> like that. But um, yeah, I was into that and also designing. So I was really into in computer class designing stuff yeah. using different apps, the old Adobe stuff, and um, creating. I was really into that. So now, in hindsight, it's all coming together. So like all of my product boxes that you see and all my thumbnails are all done by me. It's all wow. my stuff. So yeah. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. But so art and music, did you kind of, when you kind of start to take music seriously, did you kind of put art to one side or was that still that kind of, when you had a few minutes, few hours, you'd kind of go back to the art. What, what happened in that, in terms of that? I think that I was torn between actually a couple of things. Um, uh, I was into sports too. Ping pong actually is one of okay. my strong. Ping pong is one of my strongest ones in, in pops. He came up playing ping pong. Yeah. So he taught me. And so we ended up 
having like our own little tournaments and stuff. And then I was um, I was doing basketball for a minute, had passion yeah. for it. Um, but baseball was actually another strong sport. Um, mm. I played for the Junior Giants about three years in a row mm-hmm. um, in my local area. And my uh, I never forget my first game. I knocked one out of the park and they were like, oh, so he's the guy. So um, <laughs> it was a it was a hard decision. I was like, OK, I got ping pong, I got art, I got basketball and then yeah. music. So what do I really want to do? And it was my sophomore, junior year and I was trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So by my um, junior year, I, I decided to go full on towards music. So I dropped art and I ended up um, uh, I went to Fairfield High. Shout out to the Falcons. Shout out to my my team out there. Um, Fairfield <laughs> yeah. High. You already know what it is. And uh, my junior year, I decided to get in the band, everything. So jazz band, concert band, marching band, drumline, all that. So I just did straight band. I was I just chose to do music and um it set me up to uh talk about college and you know segue into that you know but it set me up for that so that's why i decided to do band because i knew i wanted to um go to a music school so you're doing jazz band drumline all these different things Mm -hmm. just because you're like okay i'm gonna go i'm gonna focus on music so how old are you at this point you're like what uh oh that's good that's good that's good so that's 2007 so i'm like 16 so you're 16 at this point and you're saying i'm gonna go hard with music at 16 Mm -hmm. so what happens between 16 and then going to berkeley what is the what is the transition there what happens there yeah um junior year i meet mr taylor shout out to mr taylor one of the coldest directors of all time he brought out something in me that i didn't know i had Mm. um got with him studied with him and we um decided to incorporate um my keyboard playing skills Mm. into it as well and he took a chance on me because i was there for drums so he decided to bring me in he took me in we did the jazz thing. We we did all these different um, competitions all over the Bay Area, mm. from Reno to shoot, even to DC to um, Arizona. Mm. We did a lot of competitions, and so he set me up. I told him I wanted to go to Berkeley and stuff like that. So he was like, "Okay, cool. You need to get your your reading up. I know you know how to, you know, you know, skim around, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, get your charts up." So he took me in and showed me how to read charts more effectively um he featured he chose songs that featured me as a drummer um and he really looked out for me because he saw something in me that again like that i didn't see so um 2000 summer of 2007 comes along all in the song um all in the song program opens up from berkeley i don't think they've ever done it again ever since and um they have fifty thousand applicants to uh, apply for that and um i think they only let 50 people in i was one of the 50 that got into the all in the song program yeah so um shout out to my mom she did her due diligence i was telling her i wanted to go to berkeley she was like well you're gonna need a scholarship because uh (laughs) so (laughs) so um man god opened up a door we did all in the song um 2000 summer 2007 got a scholarship from there um 12 grand to go to berkeley in the fall of 2008 
So, um, I'm sorry. Was this? Let me see. This has to be summer. Uh, I think either summer of '06. One of the two. Yeah. So I was. I started Berkeley in the fall of '08. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it had to be the summer of '06 actually, mm. because the fall of '07. I knew I was going to Berkeley because I already had the scholarship. Got you. My my senior year. So yeah, no, I'm sorry. Oh eight, oh eight, and then yeah, yeah, oh eight. It's for sure. It's uh, oh, yep, oh eight, two thousand eight. Yeah, because two thousand eight was my senior year, um, and all that. And then we uh, they had all kinds of college reps coming through there, and the whole time I'm like, it's gonna. I'm good. I'm, <laughs> I'm good. Berkeley. So it was insane. So like, yeah, 2007 was like really something. Like in 2008 was really, really deep. It was really, it was really crazy. So what was it like to to go to Berkeley? I've I've been following Berkeley for, I want to say last like ten years. Um, mm. Watching different videos on YouTube and I've done like. Bilal performances, Michael Jackson performances, all these different types of things from eight, yeah. nine, eight, nine years ago where Sean writes under the kit and all these different types of things. Um, but what was it like for you being there, being surrounded by so many, you know, everyone's like at a high level. Mm-hmm. But how, what was it like and how, and how did that produce the best out of you? Uh, it was, a, you know, I felt like this. I got the same vibes I got from my, my peers from the Bay, yes. which was, you know, family based. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when I came in, um, people, some people, not everybody, some people knew who I was from Gospel Chops. From yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, and all that. So um, I got to meet like some really good people and um, getting up with Matt Garska, Frank Fluker, Sean Wright, mm-hmm. JP Pave, yeah. Zach Nasita, Taylor Gordon, Pocket Queen. Um, shoot. Um, it's the turtle, Anthony Nimhard, and um, so many people. I mean, wow. and and faculty members and stuff like that, and just friends, you know, genuine friends. We had a friend community there, like a, a strong friendships, and so mm. it was phenomenal. It had its ups and its downs for me, yeah. um, you know, but it was really dope. Uh, it was really, really, really dope um shedding for the first time like shedding with a whole bunch of musicians and stuff like that like off the record no no performances just just like straight up just walk into a room and just go for it that was super fun and we used to um have sheds at like midnight because we had to book classrooms or whatever and the only time the classrooms were really open would be like 12 and 1 in the morning so at 12 a.m we're bringing in our drums and (laughs) what yeah, we just go for it. It was it was life. It wow. was life. That's what we did. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So we had all kinds of people come through there. Justin Tyson came through. Chris Coleman came mm. through a shed. Um, I mean, Darian Javon came through numerous sheds. Yeah. Uh, um, man, Marlon, uh, my guy, and uh, man, so many people. Wow. So, many people came through. so that was a, a phenomenal side of it. It got hard for me when it came down to studies because I had to go down the path that I knew was going to detour me from my family to a certain extent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my family of uh, musicians there and uh, doing music production engineering was really 
it started to get lonely because it's like I started to see my friends a lot less and I had to study a lot more. Yeah. And I had to focus on production, production and, and more computing and mm. pro tools and, you know, all this stuff. And I couldn't spend as much time with my family. Yeah. And and then it just set me on a path of like, okay, this is where we're all starting to kind of do this. Wow. And so um, I tried to keep up with them as much as I could. I ended up meeting up with uh, another good friend of mine. Shout out to my guy, Jay Scott. Um, mm. that got up with him my my last year in the summer. Um, Jay Scott and I got real close. You know, phenomenal bass player. Jay Scott, the glove, Martin. Mm. Um, he's a superstar now, so yeah. shout out to him. Um, but yeah, it got hard because I had to study acoustics. I had to study um, math and the studies part really took a toll mm. and um i actually flunked out of uh advanced math or something like that i flunked out of it got an f or something like that and so i had to take a summer class back home that's um in in uh, california and that class didn't go well and so i prayed i was like god just open up my mind give me an understanding and so mm. my math class was so over the top like complex mm. here at home when i went back to berkeley to study math it ended up becoming elementary for me i actually oh, understood it okay. because i was doing way harder stuff out here way above so, you. Yeah, yeah yeah so when i got back man i actually passed the class with like a a <laughs> so so it wow. was a con it was a concerning thing i had to have a hard conversation with my parents all right you know we gotta figure out what you're gonna do and mm. it was hard so that's where it got real dark for me yeah, yeah so yeah. um but I um, was able to pull it around, turn it around, and um, um, did my last year that summer. It was real fun. That was my, I think, my best year at Berkeley had to be, you know, as far as, like, the um, connections go, definitely my, my front-end years. But my personal experience, like, for me and my career and where I was going, mm. that last year just, it was amazing in a lot of ways because it was that confirmation of, like, man, I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I mm. am supposed to be a producer. I get it now, you know, so it was good. So when you talk about, you know, kind of having that separation from your friends, that means you can't shed as much. That means you can't, you know, play keys and do X, Y, and Z as much as you, you know, you know, there's a video on YouTube where you're playing I Surrender All and, and all these type, all these different types of things. So how do you then, you know, move from that? And just accept. Listen, when was it? Sorry, when was the point when you accepted this is what I was meant to do? I'm meant to be a producer, and they're meant to do what they're doing. What? When was that point? Do you remember? Yeah, that point was um, 2010 or 11, mm -hmm. more so. I think more so 11. It was that like it was deep for me because it got it it was very deep rooted because I was creating all these years mm. recording my own music and stuff like that. And it was that transparent moment. I would say about like 2011 or so where I was just like, man, I really don't want to be on tour like that. I really don't want to play no. for a whole bunch of names. I don't want to do that. I want to actually be the person responsible for the songs that are being played i want to mm. be the producer i want to be the songwriter and so i had to play the politics route and i played it smart so i i played for artists for a long time to mm. de develop the rapport people knew my name people knew who i was mm -hmm. so i did a lot of gigs and stuff just for validation reasons more so than 
um, reasons of aspiration beyond mm. like you know trying to go on tour and be a world-renowned musician yeah um I, my aspiration was like okay get in good as a musician and then it'll expose them to what you create and then take it from there and that's yeah. actually actually benefited from that um a couple of times because from me playing for a whole bunch of artists out here in the bay it led me led to me being able to produce mm. so yeah so yeah What's the main thing you'd say you learned from your Berkeley experience? Ooh, oh man, so much. Uh, networking in a way that is valuable to both you and who you're networking with. Mm. Um, also, um, session etiquette, um, being around top engineers and knowing that you know they know their stuff so when you come in and you know you play a project or you play a song um just that session etiquette you know what i mean it's like mm. a it's a standard that berkeley sets it's and it's a really good one um mm. it's not a standard to boast about it's more of a standard to like you can work in the industry yeah and not only work in the industry but like overkill it because a lot of times i have some friends that got big gigs like session gigs you know becoming um you know interns because they knew a shortcut on pro tools and the engineer there or the artist there was like how did you do that so fast oh like you can you can duplicate the track by just hitting you know command d and it just duplicates it and people are like oh no like that just improved my workflow like it made it faster hey hey put him on the team (laughs) <laughs> like that's happened this because they knew command d wow or option command i to import audio like shortcuts got people in the door not because they're dope musicians so um stuff like that is mm. like what i really take away from berkeley it's like i take pride in my knowledge now and i don't invalidate myself because i'm not on tour but i validate myself because it's like the things that i know Mm. that i feel is everyday knowledge people are coming into like that actually just really helped me a lot bro yeah so yeah so you leave berkeley and you start your production company Mm. now how does that initial starting process go because now you're out of the kind of the college where it's like okay i'm at college this is there now it's okay yarn hunter jr the producer running his y hunter music production how what happens in that initial early stage and is there kind of hurdles that you have to overcome at that point yeah that's a really good question um it started for me again so 2012 i moved back home yeah um you know, I, I get into some relationships and stuff like <laughs> personal life just like on not yeah. it's just non-existent, right? <laughs> so, you know, trying to focus on having a companion too early, too soon. Mm. So the war between that and then okay, Jan, let's get your stuff together. No, seriously. So wow. um after really getting serious, um, about like twenty late 2012, 2013. Um, what that looked like for me was figuring it out as I went. So mm. I started with what do I know that's most common? Lessons. Okay, cool. So I opened up lessons. Mm-hmm. Then I um, uh, opened up um, production and stuff like that. But I had to figure out how. So mm. I had to 
produce for free. So uh, I produced uh, my my sister's record. Uh, shout out to Lauren Denise Bird. Uh, yeah. Shout out, uh, I did her record for free. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my boy Louis Lou. Louis Lou, yeah. Uh, did his stuff for free, and that was like my audition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, get this back on me. Yeah, that was like my audition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, people didn't know I could produce. People didn't know that. I, you know, people just knew me for playing keys in church and playing drums, but they didn't know I could produce. Meanwhile, I didn't showcase that because at the time it wasn't a thing mm. like it is now. Like back then, it was still on shed videos. It was still you know church services with the band going off yeah so you know blowing up in church you got your cooper temples and all this kind of stuff going on around mm-hmm. that time and then the birth of um endorsements um hitting the the bay area and the birth of endorsements hitting the musicians community like my peer group yeah, yeah, yeah. so production wasn't in the forefront like that so i was like fine you know so didn't showcase it so my audition with Louie and, and Lauren was like the turning point because mm. people are like, oh, you know how to put stuff together and like sessions and microphones and, you know, mixing. You, mm. you do that. All right. So <laughs> um, it started from there. And so there's some practical things um, I had to do. I had to register my business with the county, get my fictitious name, open up a bank account, all that stuff, like just business standards and stuff like that. And um, once I did that and I opened up my business account um, and I was getting married at the same time when I opened up my business account officially. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, moving over to from Bank of America, you know, to to where we are now and all that. So like, it was just that framework that had to be laid down. And so, um, yeah, I started producing. People started calling mm-hmm. uh, once um, they heard what I was doing. So I gained in getting work, but my social media just over the years just plummeted. It just went way down. Why and was that? Why, why, did it, why did it go down like that? Because I decided to turn my back on that life, and I wanted to pro- I wanted to really be a producer, I, mm. and that meant sacrificing. So I couldn't be posting shared videos. I couldn't be posting me wilding out on drums. I couldn't. I, I that content would be misleading, and I wouldn't get the calls that I was looking for. Wow. So and I had to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, carry on. Yeah, I was just like, it, it was a hard place. Like, it was a sacrifice. And so my digital footprint was at an all-time low because working with, you know, Bay Area artists and stuff like that, we were just learning. So we didn't know about registration and, mm. you know, and all that stuff. Like, I knew about um, performance rights organizations from Berkeley. Yeah, 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 But it's one thing to know it textbook, and then it's another thing to know it like, okay, I'm going to apply this to my life as a producer, as a songwriter. No, this mm. is what I need. So, you know, that that distinction between textbook stuff mm. and then knowing how to use it type stuff. It's like, no, bro, you are a producer. You are a songwriter. So that means you need to have a performance rights organization 
uh, that you need to affiliate with, man. You got too much music. So anyway, learned all that. And so developed a catalog. And so over time, my digital footprint came back as Jan the producer. Yes. So all music started picking up my stuff. I did a record. Um, shout out to Dale Anthony. I produced his first. Uh, no, sorry, not his first album, second album, uh, mm. Closer. So they got that registered. It was on all music. So now my name is resurfacing as producer credits. Mm. So then, um, you know, flash forward, you know, the Walls Group situation that happens. My name goes down in the credits. Janine White, same thing. Name goes down in credits. So I started establishing myself the right way. Mm. Um, and my name was associated with things outside of YouTube, Instagram, and social media, but it was associated with like industry stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And you, you know what's, I'm thinking about it now. What's crazy is that you're doing gospel chops at 17, 18. You, you know, start to go to Berkeley, start to be in shed rooms and all these kind of things. And you transition forward into this point, into 2012, 2013, where you're like, okay, I need to stop that part of what I used to love and enjoy and now focus on this part, which I now love mm. and enjoy, which is as much as they're encompassed, encompassed together in terms of music, they're two yeah. separate things. Yeah, absolutely. Because what you put out like it's it's kind of like whatever you don't post didn't happen mm. whatever and whatever you do post is law yeah you, you know what i mean so it's like i was i'll say this now i i i will say that it is changing mm -hmm. uh the, the audience are starting to learn and grow because the followers that i had in 2010 they're now 30 40 years old yeah you know so it's like they've experienced life they're you know what I mean? And they're more willing to accept versatility because creativity is now the forefront of the market instead yeah, of just, yeah, yeah. so I will, I will give, you know, everybody some slack, including myself, like it is changing though. But at the time, no, you, you couldn't do that. You, you had to post specifically what you did mm. and, and communicate stuff. Cause I had to undo, I had to destruct, destruct my whole, career I, I was known for gospel chops and the official shop videos mm. the both of those followed me to, to this day still do follow me for the rest of my life and some people only know me for those two things so i had to go through a season of i have to deconstruct that so you're not going to see that content you're not going to see shed stuff you're not going to see it's just going to be production you know just to hammer it in <laughs> it's, it's it's just is for, for someone who's a consumer of your music to imagine you had to go through that kind of workout and get through to get to to a point where no this can't happen i need to do this to to essentially rebrand yourself as You're, you know yeah yarn hunter the the producer which is crazy yeah. which but it's, it's necessary yeah ah, wow yeah so then yeah. you you start to put your own music out, which is around 2014. You put mm -hmm. out a self-titled self album. Now, what is that like? Because you're producing for other yeah. people up until that point. And then where do you go? And you're just like, yeah, I'm going to produce for myself. This is mine. I'm going to put this out. <laughs> where, how does that How does that happen? 
<laughs> it was it was honestly in it's all in collaboration so when i was working on louis stuff we just finished his first joint round three and i again you know i had been composing for years so um i let my man louis hear my joint he was like yo you should do a record bro you know do your thing and i was like yeah i was thinking about the same so i played him another i played him journey and i played him breathe he was the first person to hear those two tracks those two songs were the only songs i had for the record and he was like just it's all up from here bro i mean you you do you i we again we just finished his we i saw the success of it we did a cd release he had a hundred heads in there um we created a whole wave so he was like bro do you and i was like, all right bet so i yeah hunter jr and so um around that time um yeah you know people it's funny um getting people's reactions to it because people say it sounds like doobie stuff like that and it does mm. um there's influence from doobie because there was a season where i did you know have a doobie season stuff yeah. like that. Man, that's my brother i still <laughs> i still listen yeah i still listen to doobie so yeah i wouldn't say that i looked at doobie and said yep boom now yeah, i'm gonna yeah. do it that that wasn't it it was actually um it was it was a foreign territory for me because doobie sings i mm. don't I, I can but like that's not what i'm featuring yeah, yeah yeah so i was like well who do i have clasper you know early jacob collier days yeah. before people was you know before he he already had everything he yeah. needed then mm -hmm. but we'll just leave that right there yeah, so yeah, i was yeah. looking at <laughs> You know jacob and it's like okay so here's some tears two tiplers of people that are maybe not necessarily singing on every song mm. and so i was and, like i'm gonna do sorry this. sorry and then obviously robert glasper black radio would have been around the same time as well yep yeah 2013 so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> so i was like okay cool this is the music that resonates with me mm. that's why you hear a difference between journey and organsville yeah because they happened at journey happened at 2012 breathe happened at 2014 2013 somewhere in there mm. so and then black radio 2 comes out yeah or whatever so now you hear this shift in the production because the 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 organsville and um shine mm. and uh, the interlude and stuff like that, that's all post being exposed to Glasper. So wow. I was like, oh, yeah, like this is I can find this lane and make it me. Mm. And so Kirk Franklin is deep in my veins, not the Kirk Franklin that everybody knows right now. The Kirk mm. Franklin that's in my veins is um, what is that record? Uh, it's the one that has stump on it and all that stump and. I could do the impossible. I yeah. ain't been invincible because I got uh, it's that yeah, album. Yeah, 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 yeah. That album is deep in my veins <laughs> because that's like my whole childhood. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the so the interlude with those synth leads and all that stuff, yeah. that's all like Kirk in me because I grew up listening to that. Mm. So um like that that album was on repeat and I feel like an idiot because I don't I can't <laughs> The record that always happens on an interview when you need to know this stuff. Uh, 
hold on, man. <laughs> it's not it's not the family. It's uh it's what you call it. Uh God's property. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah God's yeah. property. Yeah, GP. God's property. That joint literally was like my whole childhood, like in multiple ways. So like my first album is a combination of influences of like my childhood stuff, but like being a nineties baby, Brownstone and uh all these epic records and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I wanna be down, brandy, all that stuff. Like that's my childhood. Yeah. So a lot of like that, my first album is is like encompassing that. Jill Scott, Floetry, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. So yeah. What's one of the biggest lessons you've learned about releasing your own music from that first album to now? I didn't know what I tapped into. I just I just put it out there. <laughs> and so wait, what do you I, mean you what hold on? Yarn, what I, do you what I, do you, what do you mean you didn't know? What do you mean? We all I, heard we all heard what with me. So I don't know what you're talking about. You didn't know. <laughs> I'm being serious with you like what I'm about to say like literally like I'll walk you through it Mm -hmm. so it's 20 it's 24 it's 2014 um I set the release probably in August to release in September something like that on TuneCore Mm -hmm. it's 2014 so like music is in this interesting place Apple Music wasn't at the forefront yet yep so it's like this it was just this weird good place yeah, weird yeah, yeah good place and so i was like well i don't know so i'm <laughs> i never released an album before so i literally don't know so i i, I put it out right yeah. so TuneCore, i'm about to drop some gems so TuneCore asked me would i like for them to publish it for me and i was like i don't know i guess yeah cool so i let TuneCore publish the record mm. and I was like, well, it's not gospel, so let me just put it under jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those two things set me up for something I had no idea that was coming. So TuneCore listened to my stuff because, you know, anything, anytime you submit anything to any distro company, they're going to listen to it. They're going to have people, you know, scan and listen to it and all mm. that, you know, get the levels right if it's too loud or if it's too, all that stuff. Wow. So, the people at TuneCore love my stuff. So they were like, let's push this out. I was, yeah, they start pushing it. So then here comes Pandora. And they got me on Pandora because TuneCore published it. I was like, what the heck? And so when it first came out, it really seemed like a big deal. But then three years later, mm. there's this whole Yon Hunter Jr. catalog all over the internet because TuneCore published it. Yeah. So like I said, I was like, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, I guess. Okay, fine. And I, and then the second thing, jazz. Jazz was associated at that time. Jazz was still associated with Kirk Whalem, Mm -hmm. a lot of the older formats of jazz, live music, saxophone or keys, and more like an elevator music type vibe. Then here I come with Journey, breathe it under jazz so like it just created this whole lane for me that i had no idea about so that's why it took off the way that it did 
is because my music was so rare in that genre. So then, and again, it's 2014, so there's not a lot of people showcasing jazz in that way with that type of content. Yeah. So they, the jazz lane just, just pushing it. It just kept pushing, and then eventually, like online stations started calling. I'm like, getting these emails from people I've never heard of. I'm like, <laughs> and again, I'm I've never released my own music, so I'm yeah. just like, okay. So then they start spinning it on these international stations in London and all this stuff. And then it just, it just blew up. <laughs> literally, the, the mic just went up. It literally just, it blew up. And so now people are like still finding my music landing on it now. And they're like, oh, wow, bro. Like that's your stuff. And like, and now I get the messages of, yo, I just randomly came across your stuff, man. It's really smooth and stuff like that. So that's kind of like the story behind it it was literally a fluke wow. i didn't know what i was doing <laughs> wow because around around that time as well doobie was releasing from way back kimbra album x y and z doobie was was around from that time but i yeah. think i think around your time you had v george smith releasing his album yep. and then you were releasing your album and i think doobie might have had something around that time as well so mm -hmm. The elements of what you guys were doing, very neo-soulish, very new nuanced. Obviously, you had Lisa McClendon, you had um, Andrea Archie. Yeah, oh, yeah. Doing, doing, doing their thing, doing their respect. thing. Sean C. Johnson doing his thing. But you guys, music, especially the musicians' side of it, it was a whole different realm, whole mm. different realm. And even till today, I was listening to Walk With Me yesterday, and I was like, I remember when me and my friends first heard it, and we was like, yo, who is this? Who is this guy? And we're just walking around listening to it. We're playing it at our, all our Christian events. We're, we're making sure this is getting played. We're putting in our DJ mixes. Like, you really took off. I don't understand how you could listen to that and not know you was going to go like that. Because... I mean, again, like my area like i knowing my area mm. like music for us we it's it's just a different experience this is like that stuff is everyday stuff for us mm. and it's not to like make it nonchalant or devalue yeah, yeah, yeah. it but it's like and and even the uh the producer who even passed down the song to me uh marcus crawford that's one of my biggest my big brothers and he was a unique guy like he was into the philly vibe mm. um you know jay dilla and the detroit vibes mm -hmm. and the far side and you know so he brought that and made that a thing so i identify with that because that's my vibe i like mm. that stuff and so he, you know, I he initially actually called me to um, play on it. And then I was just like, yo, can I just, you know, can I put it on my record? And so he was like, go for it, bro. You know, we don't care. And so, <laughs> you know, so the baseline is Marcus Crawford. Um, the chords is Marcus Crawford. I came after him with the uh, with the drums, mm. the the vocal effects um the synth stuff on top of it i think it's like a little something maybe something happened on there mm. um i did auxiliary so we co-produced co it and so 
again, like it was one of them things where I know Crawford, like Crawford and I, like we go way back. Mm. That sound is is everyday music to me. Wow. But you don't know what's everyday to you for someone else is like where, where what the heck? Yeah. And so that's what when I first heard Crawford, I was like, you don't sound like nobody out here, bro. Mm-hmm. Like you so we you know we flock together he's a super you know particular producer and stuff like that Mm. but you know and that's his wife singing on the record kenya crawford and so it's just like again it's a home-based thing so by the time it so i discovered something i was like okay so it's not that we don't have it it's just we need a platform to Mm. showcase it it's not a matter of whether it's good enough because there's a ton of records that the world has never heard that we be like, yeah, this is it, man. And the world has never heard it, mm. you know? So it was like, it's amazing that God used me of all people that it happened on a fluke. Like, I was just like, I want to do my own thing. You know, I was just always on that vibe. Like, I just want to create something that people enjoy mm. and, I don't want any caps. I didn't, we didn't know to say cap, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I just didn't want no cap. I was just mm. like, man. So, you know, did my first, re- I had no idea it was going to do what it did. Seriously. In mm. all humility and honesty, like yeah. already having produced a hundred tracks up to that point. It's just like, I didn't know. So it, it it's amazing that guy used it, breathed over it. And so, yeah. Was there then a moment in time during this process, you know, from first album to now where you, in music, it's felt like, you know what, maybe not that you want to give up, but, you know, maybe this isn't, you know, isn't working out how you expected it. And how did, you know, how did you get to a point where you're like, I need to push through this and how did you overcome it? That's an everyday thing, bro. Being a creative we 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 call each we call ourselves trash probably every other day. <laughs> you know, I I call like you know my real creators out there. You know what I'm talking about. You you're your worst critic. Mm. So that's like all the time. It's like, man, this ain't it, man. Let me yeah. get out of here. Let me go try to get this job, bro. Let me go fill out this application. Like, let's let's stop playing. You know what I mean? That's just yes. everyday life of a yeah. creator. So there ain't no point where it goes away. It stays there. It's just how you navigate through it. It's mm. how you, you know, so what I've learned to to pivot or, well, that's the solution. I've learned to pivot. Mm. So Jan Hunter Jr. came from me pivoting. Like I, I understood that I didn't want to, you know, go on tour with a whole bunch of people and stuff like that. Now I know I, I wanted to produce for a whole bunch of names, mm. but I had to pivot. And I was like, well, why don't you produce your own record, do something different, you know, and um create your legacy so and then also financially like okay cool like i get to make money off my own record so i think a lot of what i did and do to this day comes from trying to um meet a need a financial need and you know for that time it was it was all about trying to get out of my parents house so a lot of what i was doing i didn't know at the time but i was making business entrepreneur move entrepreneurial moves yeah and i didn't really focus on it that much i was more so still trying to be validated as a producer wow 
but I didn't realize that in doing that, it's like, bro, you're establishing a business. You're mm. you're making your own income, passive income, mm. you know. So I had no idea, like, in the grand scheme of things. But I would say navigate, learn to navigate, and that's simply through um, the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, then, mm. you know, you got a super, super, uh, super being with you. <laughs> Um, but even if you're not, if you're atheist or whatever, just continue to focus on what's working mm. and how you're connecting with people and what people are, you know, what they resonate with and kind of like show them that you care about what they think to a certain degree. They don't govern mm. your every move, but just, you know, look at what's working and, and try to find ways, even in your sound, if it's a sound that works for you and, you know, it resonates with you, keep that up, you know. Mm maintain it you know because this is the time to be you know creative and this is the time to hyper niche if you want to you can mm. and find an audience that specifically gets down with what you have to offer so yeah just hone in learn to navigate that's great that's that's amazing advice learn to navigate learn to pivot and you then pivoted from being the shed drummer in early age to then the producer to now the YouTuber. Mm. When I think about everything I've discussed and you said I had to kind of, my social footprint at one point, you had to kind of let go or the shedding videos, this, this and that. He said, no, you, you, you rebrand yourself as the producer. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> you, <laughs> you come back and you're like, yeah, I'm now the YouTuber. What made you start the channel? And what are you trying to, you know, produce or get from doing that? Yeah. So um, I was playing in church all my life yeah. and um, I just kept feeling this press. It's time. The time is up. The time is up. Time is up. And I'm like, whatever. I'm going to keep playing and just kind of figure it out. It's like, all right, time is up. Time is up. And so I kept seeing how things were going, like even in my personal life and even mm. in my marriage, I started to see how the dynamics of um ministry um was positive but also had some you know negative effects on the marriage and stuff mm -hmm. and it's not that it's not that what people think it's not like something messy happened yeah, yeah, church yeah, yeah. church happened not at all it's more so prioritizing ministry 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 we're going to do this we got to sing here we got to be at this musical we got rehearsal at this time and you don't have no mental health time you don't mm -hmm. have no time to connect you don't have no alone time you're always pushing to the next ministry event mm -hmm. and um you know we had to sit back and we had to deconstruct a lot of that and say you know hey first ministry is at home mm -hmm. so you know i was like okay fine so having all that in in perspective on top of feeling that nudge like your time is up um it led to me resigning in mm -hmm. uh 2020 uh april 27th of 2020 i resigned from um my uh my last church that i was at phenomenal church and all that good stuff mm -hmm. and so i didn't know what was gonna happen and i was just like, all right god you know i'm out here you know you know what i'm saying it was a nice situation so mm -hmm. you know we out here what's up <laughs> you know and i was like you know you know god what am i gonna do and so i said well god you know place the passions within me to do mm -hmm. what you've already predestined for me to do that was one of the greatest prayers I could have ever prayed because after that, um, my mind went to cameras, cameras. Cause I had like, I had a lot of time to like really 
do some fun stuff. Like I got to produce some stuff with my friends, with Chastity. Shout out to my sis and shout mm. out to Justin. Um, we did some stuff together. We created some stupid vibes that still needs its flowers. We're going to work on that. Trust <laughs> me. You know, shout out to y'all. But we had so much fun creating. It was just like the pandemic happened and stuff like that. And so we were just like, it was like a free pass to just create. Mm. And so, you know, we were like, yeah, you know, we, we wanted to do a, um, we wanted to do a, uh, and we did it. We did um, a, a, a collab, um, a collective. We did, we, we formed yeah. a collective. And so we did like five, six joints together. And we just in the studio, just like, ah, vibes. Woo. And then Chastity moved. She moved to Atlanta. Then I got into content. And then uh, my man, Justin, is at a, a super phenomenal church as a, a worship pastor. Mm. So we all went our own ways. And so then at that time, um, I was like, just put on my heart camera. I was like, dang, okay, fine. All right, camera. Well, shoot, if we gonna do content, if you saying what I think you saying, you know, all yeah. right. So, cause it all started coming back. Gospel Chops, the official shout, the yeah. uh, Love Like Crazy drum set, like all these videos that I did that, you know, got over a hundred thousand views. I'm like, all right, oh, so we're going back here. Well, if we're gonna go back, then we're gonna do it right. Mm. And so I heard about um, you know, monetization and stuff like that. And so my wife said something to me in passing. She was just like, Yeah, you know, you can cause she, you know, she started her YouTube channel and everything. Yeah. So she's like, Yeah, you know, you can monetize your channel. You only need like a thousand subs. I was like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I said, I said, you need who? You need, you need what? She was like, you only need a thousand subs and like a couple of thousand watch hours. And I was like, this is it. This is it. This is the. This is what. What I was like, it was that moment. I was like, okay, cool, bet. So get the camera, and and we just go all in on YouTube. Just I started posting random videos, old videos in my phone imported them to my mac yeah. just upload it was just upload city just trying to get watch time hours and so then purpose started stepping in and yeah. like it started haunting me my grandma was like you know you need to be teaching at a university you're a good teacher blah 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 and this and that and my dad was like yeah you know you might want to go back to school mm. and, and teach and, and I'll, I'll, you know your mom is a teacher if you need help you know in the industry you know you've got connects and plug blah blah and yeah. i was like all right cool teaching so then around this time, um, I link up with my man, John Mike, and that's like my my diehard brother. And yeah. he's a phenomenal dude, YouTuber, um, head guy at uh, Loop Gospel and all that stuff. Yeah. And so he exposed me to um, a software where you could showcase your screen and show your screen and audio and all that stuff. So he showed me how to route my audio, show me how to share my screen, yeah. stuff like that, because we needed to do it for... Um, a couple of stuff, a couple of ventures, creating stems, gospel producers, stuff yeah. like that. So I was like, oh, I can record my screen now. And I got a 4K camera. Let's get these tutorials popping. So first video, how to mix live drums and Logic Pro X. Over 16,000 views now. Shout out to all my subscribers and everybody who's been supporting. So I started learning as I as I was going, I was like, all right, you know, the goal was make money from AdSense. Mm. Then 
um, get exposed to from, you know, my brother, John Mike exposing me to affiliate marketing and affiliate links and all this type of stuff. Mm. So I'm like, Oh, so you could make money and money on top of the money. Okay, cool. So I start, it started to be shift from content to business. Mm. We need to turn this to a business now rebranding. And it's like, this is the end of the line. This is the, this is like the segue into whatever, like this is the new foundation. So um, get on YouTube, start teaching people how to do stuff, start empowering people because I understood value. Yeah. So I'm like, well, eventually I'm going to start selling products. Eventually I'm going to start selling presets, but I need to show people that it's worth the investment by giving them value. Yeah. So I started going nuts, bro. Started getting on Instagram, how to do this, how to do that, how to do this. Here's a new upload how to mix drums part two. Then I was like, okay, well show them who you are. Yeah. You know, show them what you do. So I started doing performance videos again. I started showcasing my own music, started Mm. performing live and then, you know, started showcasing my artists, giving them their plugs, started playing the stuff that I started producing with them back in 2014, 15. And it was just this reboot situation because I knew from, my studies mm. if i played the drums people will receive the music before they will receive the album art with the music playing in the background mm. so i was like here's my marketing strategy okay cool so i get on drums and it just all kind of just developed and went off from there so youtube for me is not just social media it's my mm. business but it's like my legacy mm. so yeah so that's where YouTube came in and 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 now I'm I'm not even I'm I'm platform agnostic now. Like I I'm everywhere. I'm on YouTube, I'm on TikTok, Instagram, <laughs> everything. Yeah. And imagine where you were where you had to stop all of that social media to now Yarn yeah. Hunter Jr. is everywhere on everything. That is a crazy transition crazy transition but when you look back on everything that you've done what are you most proud of even away from Mm. music just look at life what are you most proud of i'm proud that i have specific moments i'm proud that i decided to embrace being online at an early age Mm. i'm proud that i didn't let my peers and people who said, oh, man, you ain't got to do all that stuff, man. Like online and did it. Man, you need to get I'm glad that I, I listened to the Holy Spirit and was like, do it. Mm-hmm. Because I was a part of technology evolving through the years, mm-hmm. indirectly and directly. So I'm proud that I, I took that move uh, and I, I stood my ground. Um, even with my parents, with music, like I stood my ground with going mm-hmm. to Berkeley that sort I'm, I'm i'm proud that i went to berkeley um and most importantly i'm proud that I, I married my wife because if i didn't marry her i don't know if i would have had that aha moment when she was like you know you can monetize your youtube channel mm-hmm. like because who i would have been connected to outside of her would have been all right i need to be in la in a whole bunch of studio rooms working with this artist working mm-hmm. with this executive producer and that has its place and i still 
have aspirations in its respect. Yeah. There's going to be a time where, you know, I'm going to be released, you know, to go back into the uh, industry. But mm -hmm. for right now, I'm focused on the community um, and focused on my um, support. So those three things, um, man, my wife, major clutch with that. She pushed me into purpose, you know, mm. you know, cause she was talking about doing her YouTube channel and I already had mine and I had 7,000 subs at the time and I didn't know about monetization and what that meant. So once I started going down that rabbit hole, it's a whole, it's a whole nother community. It's a whole just like in, you know, in music overseas, you have your fans, but mm -hmm. the YouTube community is on something else. Mm -hmm. They, it ain't no gatekeepers on YouTube. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, that's good. It's, it's straight. And that's, and that's what any platform, that's what Instagram, uh, shout out to my Instagram followers. Y'all, y'all already know what it is. It's no, it's no gatekeepers no more. So it pushed me like it started with YouTube, but I was like, nah, don't, I mean, lean in on YouTube, hands down. That's my bread and butter, mm -hmm. but like, don't omit, don't do what you did last time. Mm -hmm. Last time I, I left behind people and things to pursue this. It's like, nah, keep everybody involved this time mm -hmm. and, um, grow, grow together. So mm -hmm. yeah, man. Uh, that's good. Last two questions. How important to you is your faith in God in everything that you do and why? Uh, uh it's it's top top priority. Uh I've had to take videos down because the Holy Spirit is like take it down. Mm. Yeah. So he he governs the the whole nine. He's running the show. You know, I'm just uh, you know, a vessel, honestly. Mm -hmm. It's his show. So I'm just a part of the cast members mm. to be you know what i mean so that's how important it is like in the video particular video i had to take down it was going viral i was showing my wife i was like yo look at this look at this and she was kind of like mm, i don't know about and i was like i mean it's just a cover but long story short holy spirit woke me up 4 a.m in the morning delete the video i was like all right i did so it's all i mean that says in itself mm. you know the value of my faith so mm yeah my last question to you with where you are at right now in life what advice mm. would you give to yourself ah uh, to myself Ooh, that's deep i would say stay on this path simple you you figured it out you see where this is going you've seen your life change in eight months mm. I mean, went from, you know, production credits and Berkeley experience and knowledge to a community support, endorsements, branding deals, mm. cross branding, um, influence, people's lives are being changed, empowered, um, being able to speak and to um, impact others like that's that's what really all this is about. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, I benefit. Okay, fine. But like at what expense though? At the expense of empowering others, at the mm. expense of encouraging others, inspiring people. One of the top comments I get is such an inspiration. I used to take that for granted. Mm. And 
And if I didn't take that for granted, maybe I would have a hundred K followers. Maybe I would. But since I did, and I, I was like, man, I'm down for inspiration, but I need placements. I need money. I need mm. like inspiration. Fine. We got bills, fam. So mm. if I'm inspiring, it can't end there. Like I, you know, but I didn't, I didn't feed that. It wasn't, a, it wasn't an exchange. It was just me showcasing. I'm a producer and people are being inspired. You know, mm. my heart always has been, you know, sincere in my walk in faith. And I think that's why God's grace has allowed my music to go mm. where it has gone. Um, but I would say like now, like my heart is in a different, I just had a whole heart transplant, man. Like I'm down for people. I have love for people mm. and it doesn't have to be in a church building. Um, I could literally have my church on social media mm. by by reviewing snare drums and by showing people how to use tools that they have every day, but don't know quite how to navigate through and change their lives. It's like, yeah, the spirit behind it is faith-based, mm. but the, but the work is secular. So I'm starting to find that balance of all that. So I would say to myself, just keep going. Like it's only nowhere near, I keep saying that we're nowhere near done because it's like at the end of every video and it gets posted and it does what it does and connections come in and people are impacted. It leads to the next mm. thing. So it's like, we can't stop. And so, you know, even, you know, God, you know, something happens to me, go on, be with the Lord, whatever. I've left something behind for my family, for my supporters, for people to be influenced by you can pull up any of my videos and remember me and remember my heart and remember that spirit behind it mm. so um just keep going Jan hunter jr thank you so much you dropped some gems in this episode you <laughs> you just listen you've given us everything i really appreciate it thank you for your time um and just what you said and to you guys watching, this has been Conversations with H and we'll have more content coming for you very soon.